Well, I think that we would all agree that the story of the birth of Christ is really just one uh, miraculous event after another. Starting with the miracle that God would even consider um, leaving heaven and lowering himself to put on flesh and become a baby. And then there's the miracle of the the choice of a, a poor, insignificant teenage girl to be the mother of that child. There's the miracle of her accepting that offer of this mysterious and miraculous uh, virgin conception. There's the miracle of Joseph uh, continuing to stand beside her, agree to marry her in light of these extremely difficult, some would say even scandalous circumstances. And then there's the miracle of just Christmas Day itself and the wonder and the glory of it all. And the amazement of everyone who came and saw the child that day and, and were around Joseph and Mary, God had put on flesh. After hundreds and hundreds of years of prophecies and promises about this Messiah that was going to come and rescue the people of Israel, finally, a Savior, a Deliverer had come. And his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And I can't imagine how Mary processed all of that. It had to be overwhelming to to take in this unbelievable series of events that that led her to that day. We get a glimpse of her posture on Christmas Day in Luke chapter 2. If you want to open your Bibles uh, and join with me, you can, or you can just listen uh, as I read. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 13. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It says Mary treasured up and pondered. She let those moments sink in. And she dwelled on those things deeply. And she had a habit of doing that. Later on in chapter 2, something that I've never really noticed before. It's the story of the 12-year-old boy, Jesus, who goes with his family in a, in a large traveling company from Nazareth down to Jerusalem for a religious festival. And after spending some time there, the, the large group starts heading back home And after a day or so on the road, Mary and Joseph start looking around and there's no Jesus. Jesus had stayed behind and he was in the temple um, debating and discussing and and asking questions of the religious teachers uh, that were, you know, two, three, four times his age. And his parents were obviously frustrated and they headed back to Jerusalem. And the story picks up here in in verse 48 of chapter 2. It says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, did you not get my text? I'm just kidding. 
why do we pay for the cell phone bill if you're not going to respond, right? Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. I'd never noticed that that same phrase was in that story as well. Mary treasured these things. And I wonder how much time be it Christmas or really any time during the year, that we take the time to ponder and to treasure up the implications of Emmanuel, God with us, and what it means that God humbled himself and became a man and died on the cross for our sins and conquered death and rose again and indwelled us with his Holy Spirit so that we might live with him now and forever. In our hectic and distracted world, do we create space in our hearts and minds and our schedule to ponder and treasure up Christ? Because I believe that it's an absolutely critical discipline for us to engage in if we're going to be able to navigate this troubling and broken world that we live in. I found that there's also a direct link between what we ponder and store up and what comes out of our mouths. Jesus put this truth like this in Matthew 12, 34. He said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what spills over in you? All of you guys have been around young children. uh, And and in that, especially that three and four-year-old age, I have a four-year-old in my house right now. They're in that very independent phase of life, right? Where the thing that comes out of their mouth is, I want to do it myself, And one of the things that kids love to do, my son likes to do this, is they like to get their own water from the fridge, right? And so they go over to the fridge, and usually the little dispenser is is above them. And so they're pushing on the water button, and we're not smart enough sometimes to give them a glass that they can actually see the water through. So they're kind of trusting us to tell them when to stop, right? So they're filling the water up, and at some point we're like, whoa, 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 you know, that's enough. And inevitably they fill it a little bit more so that it's, it's always a little too much. And this is a very precarious position we're now in, right? The fate of the world hangs in the balance. And for those of us who are kind of neat freak parents, right, this is like, ah, we get anxious because we know how this story is going to end, don't we? Because as soon as they turn around a little too quickly or bump into something, that water is going on the kitchen floor, is it not, Right? The joys of parenting. Well, let me ask you this. When you bump into people in life, out of the overflow of your heart, what spills out about Jesus? Remember, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. What emotions 
does Jesus' birth elicit in you? Is there a passion, a gratefulness for the magnitude of this good news? I mean, good news that seems way too good to be true. What message do we have for the world because Christ came? When we bump into people, what do we tell them about where we find our hope and joy and peace and love? What spills over? You know, the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus during his three years of of teaching and, and healing ministry. If you read the scriptures, you you probably kind of pick up on the fact that maybe they weren't quite absorbing as much of what he was saying as they should have been. They were too busy plotting their own schemes of what Jesus' power might do for them. But then the story kind of ends very abruptly, right? Jesus is taken and quickly put on trial and executed. A couple days later, he rises again. A few weeks later, he ascends up into heaven. It all happens really quickly. And when Jesus leaves, his last words to his disciples were like, hey, I want you guys to just wait. I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. Just sit tight. And so the disciples actually did obey that. And so they gathered up into this room in Jerusalem, very much kind of on their guard, um, scared that they might get arrested again. But they sat in that room, and they prayed, and they waited for 10 days. And that's a lot of time to ponder and to meditate and kind of start going back through. Now, what was it that Jesus said that one time? (laughs) And to remember some things that maybe they'd forgotten Not only the things he said, but also the way in which he lived. And I can't help but think that they stored some things up during that time of waiting. And when the Holy Spirit came after that time of pondering and filled their hearts, these once timid group of guys began boldly proclaiming the unbelievable news of Jesus' death and resurrection. So much so that it got the attention of the authorities. In the book of Acts, Peter and John are rounded up and they're brought before the authorities and they're warned, you guys need to stop talking about Jesus or else. And what do they say back to him? These were their words. We cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can't help ourselves. Out of the overflow of their hearts, their mouths were speaking. Later on, Paul, the apostle, wrote this in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That word compel, it means this, to drive or urge forcefully or irresistibly. Are we compelled? Is there an irresistible urge in us to tell other people about this Savior that we know? Does that describe our hearts? Because you see, as a recipient of God's unbelievable grace and love, Paul could not help himself. He had to tell people about Jesus. 
if we've lost the passion of Christmas, we have to make time to ponder and to meditate and to consider the implications of God's amazing love for us and treasure up that good news so that when we bump into people in this world, the overflow of our hearts will spill out and we will be compelled and we won't be able to help ourselves tell everyone we know the unbelievable greatest story ever told. That in the midst of this broken and troubling and hurting world that there is a source, the only source of true hope and true peace and true joy and true love, and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And people need to hear that so that they will know that they are not alone, that their story's not over, that the circumstances that have happened in life don't have to define them. Everyone deserves to hear that truth. Will they hear it from us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, God, we are, we are stewards of this unbelievable message of good news and grace and love. And we have this unbelievable opportunity to share that message with the world. And if not us, then whom? <laughs> Who is going to tell people that there's hope? Who is going to tell people that they are loved unconditionally by a father who's crazy about them so much so that he was willing to lay down the life of his son to set them free? God, I pray that we would get in touch again <laughs> with the manger. I pray that the implications of that gift would just wreck our hearts. That when we see the people walking by us in the stores and in the office place and whoever we bump into, that because of that overflow in our hearts, because we've spent some time meditating, we've spent some time pondering, that our mouth would just speak good news. That we wouldn't be able to keep it to ourselves any longer. God, do a work in us to equip us, to give us a passion to want to share that news this year, maybe more than we ever have. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand with us as we close?